Hi, welcome to New Hope Community Church Online. The sermon you are about to hear was originally given by Pastor Chuck Wilson. New Hope Community Church, to know, to live, and to share Jesus Christ. The title for today is Carrying the Cross of Christ, Mark 15, 21. I'm going to start off with a story that you may not have heard or seen in the mainstream media, but I hope it goes viral. I hope it does end up going viral because I think it would help heal the racial divide in our country, which is very, very serious. A black man from Africa decided to take his family on a spiritual pilgrimage. I'll tell you where later. I don't want to give it away right now, the the country. You'll be able to connect to that soon, though. He couldn't get a flight from this, where he lived in this remote area of Africa, so he had to take a, a ship. It was a long, long journey, very expensive. They sacrificed a lot to take the whole family. They finally get to the country that's hosting this huge spiritual rally, but there's, the hotels are completely full. They end up having to buy a tent and camp out in the countryside, just outside the city limits, and uh, that's what they did. They finally, he just finally decides to go into the city for the rally. It's the day of the rally. He decides to go into the city, but there's a potential riot simmering. It's a hot day and, and there's some, a lot of tensions and, and there's a riot simmering and as he goes into the city the authorities grab him and detain him for no reason. They don't say it's because of his color but why else would they pick him out of the crowd? One of the few persons of color in this crowd. Even worse they're beating someone almost to death person that the, the authorities are beating is so bloody that he can't even tell what race he is. He can't tell if he's alive or dead. Then they make this black man help drag this victim outside the city limits where they are going to finish him off. He said, we're going to take him and finish him off. You help drag us out. This guy who's detained has to help with this. You can imagine the guy was terrified. He didn't know if he was going to be killed along with the guy he's helping drag outside the city. Has anybody followed this story? You might have already guessed it. It's not the USA Today. It's 2,000 years ago in Jerusalem. We're only going to cover one verse today, but what a verse. Carrying the cross of Christ, Mark 15, 21. I couldn't get past this verse. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the worship and focusing on the cross. We pray that your spirit would touch our hearts. With your love that you showed us 2,000 years ago and you continue to show us every day no matter what cross we're carrying. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, I'm gonna, we're going to read Mark 15 in just a moment, but I want to just start off parallel passage, John 19, verses 16 and 17, to just kind of set the setting here. We looked at part of this last week. Finally, Pilate handed him over to them to be crucified, so the soldiers took charge of Jesus, carrying his own cross. He went out to the place of the skull, which in Aramaic is called Golgotha. Then back to Mark 15, verse 21. A certain man from Cyrene, Simon, the father of Alexander and Rufus, 
was passing by on his way in from the country, and they forced him to carry the cross. Jesus is so bloody and beaten that he can't finish this marathon, this long walk with the cross. So Simon of Cyrene is impressed to carry the cross, and that's what the Roman soldiers had the power to do. They couldn't impress anybody and make them do work for them at any time. Simon is mentioned in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. He's from Cyrene, which is modern-day Libya. Modern-day Libya. It's on the northern coast of Africa. It was settled by the Greeks in 630 B.C. It became the Roman capital. In time, it became the Roman capital, district, uh, Roman capital of the district of Cyrenaica. It had a large number of Greek-speaking Jews that settled in that because it was the capital of that area. And many of these Jews, these Hellenistic Jews, returned to settle in Israel over time. And in addition to that, many of them would go to the Passover. They would take this spiritual pilgrimage and celebrate the Passover. It's a thousand miles. Long, long trip. Now, who is this Simon guy? What we know for sure is that he's from Cyrene, and his sons are Alexander and Rufus. That's what we know for sure. It's also possible that we know a lot more about this guy. There's a strong possibility that we find him later in several other parts of the New Testament. And I think very good chance this is who it is. In Acts 13.1, let's look at Acts 13.1, where it says, In the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manian, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul, who also became Paul, as we know, right? So we see Simeon called Niger. Simeon and Simon are the same name, just, just uh, alternate spellings of the same exact name. Simeon is a Jewish name, while Niger is Latin for black. Okay, Nigeria, right? This we get the word. Most black Jews come from Africa. Most of the black Jews at this time, and even now, come from Africa. In Acts, now remember this. Now, so Simeon, Sim, Simeon of Niger, I believe, is Simon. Let's look, look at another thread. Acts eleven nineteen through 21. Now, those who had been scattered by the persecution in connection with Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, telling the message only to the Jews. Some of them, however, men from Cyprus and Cyrene, went to Antioch and began to speak to Greeks also, telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. The Lord's hand was with them, and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. So we see that the church in Antioch was founded by men from Cyrene, and Simeon, Niger, was a leader in this church. Starting to connect some dots, right? Mark also mentions Alexander and Rufus, his sons. So he's writing to the church in Rome. Mark was writing to the church in Rome. So uh, they must have been well-known in Rome, Alexander and Rufus. In Romans 16, 13, the Apostle Paul, also writing to the church in Rome, says, Greet Rufus, chosen in the Lord, and his mother, who has been a mother to me. Mentions Rufus, also very likely the same Rufus that Mark is writing because of Rome. I'm going to connect some dots some, some very strong possibility of these dots. Simon of Cyrene, K 
carries the cross of Jesus Christ and becomes a Christian. When persecution hits the church in Jerusalem, after Stephen's stoning, it hits, the church is scattered, and he ends up going to Antioch and helps plant the church, where he gets the nickname, instead of Simon of Cyrene, he gets the nickname Simeon Niger. Okay? The black guy. That's really what they call him. It was either Simeon or the black guy because of his dark skin. Antioch, as you know, is known for giving out nicknames. It's that kind of place, giving out nicknames, right? What other nickname do we remember happening in Antioch? Oh, come on. Acts 11.26. At the end, the disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. Christians was a nickname gave, given to the followers of Christ. Antioch, that's where at first, that's where we first got the name Christians, at Antioch. Okay? His sons are also so well known to the church in Rome, where they end up, most likely that's where they all ended up moving. They're very well known that Mark and Paul can just reference them at any time. So a very, very good chance, I believe, that this is that Simon, a black man forced to carry the cross of Jesus Christ, became a Christian. And not only a Christian, but whether or not it's the same guy or not, not but a leader in the New Testament church. Niger became a leader in the New Testament church. Whether or not it's the same guy, doesn't matter. It's still, there's still a point there, right? Him being black was not a negative, but obviously a positive. Because the Holy Spirit recorded it for a reason. He, the, the Holy Spirit wants us to see something by recording Simeon. He didn't just say Simeon, it said Simeon or Niger. Simeon, the black guy. It's no accident that God picked Simon from Africa to carry his son's cross. It's a big crowd. Romans could have picked anybody. These brutal Roman soldiers, but they picked, God made sure, they picked Simon of Cyrene. The church should be proud of racial, cultural differences, right? We should be leading in racial reconciliation. We shouldn't get caught up in the racism that's on both sides, right? Both sides are equally racist. But we shouldn't get caught up in that. We as Christians should be leading in reconciliation with our, with our brothers and sisters of color, whatever color we are. That's the only hope for the United States. Red and yellow, black and white. They are precious in his sight. So, there's also, it's no accident God picked Simon to carry the cross. I believe because he was from Africa. But also, there's also no accident that he was picked because Simon carrying the cross of Jesus Christ is a picture of every one of us. There's a reason why Jesus didn't finish that walk, besides being beaten almost to death. There's a reason. There's two vital ways that we must all identify with Simon of Cyrene. Two vital ways. The first way is that when someone was sentenced to be crucified, they carried their cross because they were found guilty of breaking the law. They had broken the law. They were carrying the cross. That was their punishment. But Jesus was not guilty. 
He had never broken the Roman law. He had never broken God's law. He had never sinned in any way. He had never broken the law. We are the guilty ones. It's for it's our sin that Jesus died for. Simon carried the cross symbolically for each one of us. It's a picture of our guilt. Him carrying that cross, we are seeing ourselves carrying that cross. We're all on death row. When someone carried the cross, they were on death row. And it wasn't a 10-year process. It was a couple minutes in Rome. We were all, every one of us was on death row. Facing not just physical death, but eternal death. Eternal separation from God. Not in heaven, but in hell. We were all Simon. We're all in death row. So he's carrying that cross symbolically for us. But Simon couldn't die for us. He could carry the cross symbolically for us. But he couldn't die for us in our place. Only Jesus Christ could die for us. And that's why after Simon carried it to Calvary, Jesus took the cross from him and was nailed to it. He took the cross because we're all on death row. If Simon had died on the cross, would that have helped us? No, I'll use a picture of death row. Let's imagine you're, let's imagine we're all sitting in prison on death row. And, uh, oh, I'll use Tom. Let's say Tom, Tom, Tom's not on death row, but Tom's in prison, he's on death row, he's going to be executed tomorrow. Okay? Let's just say that's the case. He's going to be executed tomorrow. All right? And, um, I've got to pick on somebody else. Uh, uh, Liam, Liam, we'll pick on Liam. Uh, Liam is on death row, but he isn't scheduled to be executed until a week from now. And so they come and give Tom his last meal and say, okay, you've murdered somebody, you're going to be executed, you're on death row. But Liam sticks his head out and says to the the warden, "Uh, warden, I'm going to take his place. I'll I'll switch, I'll I'll take Tom's place. Okay, that's fine. You know, they have, let's say that was legal, you could do it, and no lawyers were involved. But let's say you could do that. And so, so they switch. Tom goes in Liam's cell. Liam goes to Tom's cell. They give Liam the last meal. He just was trying to get the meal. All right, and, uh, and then they take him out. Has Liam helped Tom? No. I mean, he's bought him seven days, but he didn't help him because seven days from now, Tom's still going to be executed. They're both on death row. But let's say that, um, uh, use Mel. Mel. Mel is, uh, the prison ministry is his prison ministry. Let's say Mel is coming in to visit. He does his prison ministry. He's ministering to these guys. Mel is not on death row. He hasn't broken the law. He's never killed anybody. All right? So he feels sorry for Tom. And he says, Warden, I'll take Tom's place. What a switch. And the warden says, okay, I agree to that. And now they switch places. Has Mel helped Tom? Yeah. Well, that's the whole point. Jesus died for Liam too. Mel sets him free because Mel has never broken the law in the law of sight. He's not on death row. And that's what Jesus did for us. None of, Simon couldn't die for us. 
Liam can't die for Tom. None of us can help each other. Someone who had never broken the law is the one who has to take our place. That is a ransom in our place. He was our substitute. And that's what Jesus did on the cross. He took our place. He had never broken God's law. He offered himself as a substitute for all men. And so here we have Simon coming to Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover, looking for the lamb that he's going to have sacrificed, and he ends up finding the final Passover lamb. The final Passover lamb. And he followed Jesus to the cross and very likely put his faith in Jesus Christ. Have you come to the cross of Jesus Christ and put your faith in him? Have you let him take your place in death row? John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Have you ever put believe the word believe? There's not just an intellectual sign. It's a deep belief. It means to cling to, to trust and to put your complete trust and independence in. That's the picture spiritually of what it means to put your faith in Jesus. Have you taken that step and given your life to him? And when we put our faith in Jesus, something amazing happens. Something radical happens inside of us. Something powerful happens. Galatians 2.20 says... I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The moment you put your faith in Jesus, you actually are, your, your old self was actually put on the cross. Killed, done away with. And you have a brand new life. Just as Jesus rose from the dead, you're dead. You're given a brand new life in Christ. A whole new spiritual power. Our old sinful self is crucified so that Christ can live in us this new resurrection life. That's what baptism is a picture of. You saw the video at the beginning of the service. We showed that again. The baptism is this beautiful picture. We go under the water to show that we died to our old self. We come up out of the water to show that we are a brand new person in Jesus Christ. That's the first key to identifying with Simon and more importantly with the cross. The second key is that we must all, the second key way that we must all identify with Simon is in Mark 8, 34 to 38. We studied that a little while ago, a couple years ago now, I think, probably. But anyway, we won't go there. Mark 8, 34 says this. Then he called the crowd to him along with his disciples and said, If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me and the gospel will save it. What good is it for a man to gain the whole world yet forfeit his soul? Or what can a man give in exchange for his soul? If anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this sinful, adulterous generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed of him when he comes in his Father's glory with the holy angels. If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. We must not only come to the cross in faith for salvation, but we must also, like Simon of Cyrene, we must all take up. The cross of Christ. We must all carry our cross and follow Jesus. This means that we have to die. We have to die to self. 
We have to die to sin. We have to die to the world. We have to die to man's opinion. We have to die. To die. In Jesus' day, when they saw someone carrying the cross, they knew one thing for sure. He was a dead man. Nobody ever started carrying the cross with the Romans and came back alive. Nobody. They were brutal executioners. They knew that when they saw someone walking down the street in Jerusalem or anywhere in the Roman world, that person was already dead. And that's the picture. We are to be dead the same way. We must daily die to ourselves and live for Jesus Christ by living for him. It's a daily decision to take up that cross. This is now our identity. This is our new identity. We, we, we identify with Simon carrying that cross in coming to faith and carrying the cross. And, not, and when we do that, our new identity is now found in Jesus Christ. Once we do that, once we come to the cross for salvation, once we pick up the cross and follow Jesus Christ, our whole identity is now in Jesus Christ. He's living through us. 2 Corinthians 5.17 Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. He is, we are a new creation. We're a whole new person. You know what I'm talking about if you've done it. Do you know this fact? Have you put your faith in Jesus? Do you know this, that you're a new person? Do you believe it and do we live this? Very, very important to know it, believe it, and live it. I was watching the Olympics, like most of you, and there were the two divers, the synchronized divers, uh, the two guys, they won a silver medal, Johnson and Budia. Uh, you see these guys diving, it's incredible, right? And they, they pulled out this, they almost got beat for the, to the bronze, but they pulled it out, they did this amazing last dive. And the reporter, she, I remember she went up to them afterward and said, how do you guys handle this pressure? So much pressure, the, the dive synchronized completely off this high board, diving 40 feet near, coming down right together into the water. How do you do this? And uh, the first one, I think it was Budia who said it first. He said, because my identity is in Jesus Christ. It's not what, it's not if I get a medal, or what color I get, what color medal I get. My relationship with Jesus Christ defines who I am. So I don't feel that pressure like other people would feel it. She was a little un- uncomfortable with this. So you know what they do. Turns to the other guy, you know, to Johnson. You could tell she was like not liking this answer, looking for something different, you know. And she says, well, uh, "How about you?" And and he says the same thing. It was like there was like he was like re- exactly. He said, "My identity is in Jesus Christ, and that's why I'm not nervous up there." You know, like like I would be if I wasn't didn't have that identity. And in uh, and, and even an earlier interview, I went on and read about it. And how they both stressed that they did it for the glory of God. That's what they were. Why they were competing for God's glory. And if you're doing it for God's glory, it doesn't matter if you get a medal or not. You're just doing your best for God's glory. It changes our whole perspective. Uh, uh, Dorado, Maya Dorado, I don't know if you saw the swimming. She got a gold medal, a silver medal, and a bronze. And her gold was she upset that really fast Hungarian swimmer. can't remember her name, but the, you know, the Iron Lady. And I was like, no, it's never going to beat this girl. This is unbelievable. She already won three. She upsets her in the 200 backstroke. It was crazy. And, and uh, I was reading about her doing this and on, online, the story, and she said, this is really good, title is, Life is More, Life is more Than Medals. 
She's, Dorado doesn't want to be defined by her accomplishments in the pool. I don't think God really cares about my swimming very much. This is not my end purpose, to make the Olympic team, she said. Knowing that I'm a child of God, and that his love for me is determined by nothing I can achieve or do on my own, has given me a quiet confidence. My faith has helped me chart my own course and pursue my goals when people around me may, not, may be going in different directions. Get that? Chart my own course when everybody around me is going in different directions. Jesus' love for me and all humanity is something that always helps me better love people around me when things get difficult. When asked what she thinks God does care about as she prepares for Rio, this is, I've tracked down the story before, Dorado replied, I think God cares about my soul and whether I'm bringing his love and mercy into the world. Can I be a loving, supportive teammate? And can I bless others around me in the same way? God has been so generous with me. Wow. You wonder why she was able to pull off these miracle swims? Doesn't matter if she did win, though, does it? Wouldn't it matter to her one little bit? It's vital to understand God's purpose for our life and finding that true purpose in our life. That's the key. That's what they found, their true purpose, what God's purpose for their life was. One last swimming story from the Olympics. Michael Phelps. Headline, after nearly dying, Michael Phelps admits the secret that saved his life and made him swim again. Here's a guy who had all those gold medals before the Olympics. But he's crashing. He says a 31-year-old swimmer recently revealed how he almost committed suicide in September 2014. But everything changed when God stepped into his life in the most extraordinary way. He says, I was a train wreck. I was like a time bomb waiting to go off. I had no self-esteem. 18 gold medals coming in here and no self-esteem. The greatest Olympian in history already and no self-esteem. No self-worth. Millions of dollars. Beautiful girlfriend. Everything the world would would say you need to have self-worth. He has no self-worth. There were times where I didn't want to be here. It was not good. I felt lost. Phelps hit rock bottom after getting arrested for drunk driving. You know, he's had several arrests and all the other stuff that's going on. At the time, Phelps claimed he was thinking, this is the end of my life. How many times will I mess up? Maybe the world would be better without me. You ever feel that way? Maybe you're sitting here and you're feeling that way right now. That's when Phelps' longtime friend, NFL star Ray Lewis... An outspoken Christian came to his rescue. Ray Lewis? God uses the most interesting preachers, doesn't he? Ray Lewis encouraged him to go into rehab. He convinced him to enter rehab, and he gave him a book to read called The Purpose Driven Life. 
A lot of you have read that. Phelps said in the recent interview, he explained that the Christian book turned me into believing there's a power greater than myself and there is a purpose for me on this planet. And that's when he gave his life to Christ. And you know the rest of the story. He got out, he proposed to his girlfriend and who was pregnant at the time, and he went to the Olympics, and the news people can't stop saying, there's something different, something different. He shocks everybody with five more gold medals. Something is different. He found his purpose in Jesus Christ. Maybe you're here, maybe you're here today feeling lost like that, no purpose, because it's something you can only find in Jesus Christ. You're going to keep messing up and messing up and no power and say, what is wrong? Only Jesus Christ, living in us, can transform us. Only he can do it. But we must first come to the cross. And Michael Phelps was broken. We must come to the cross broken and put our faith in Jesus Christ and give our life to him. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Have you put your faith in Jesus Christ? And maybe you've done that, but have we taken that next step of daily carrying our cross? Following Jesus Christ to fulfill his purpose in our life. Galatians 2.20 I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. Are we daily surrendering? Living for God's glory so that his, Jesus can live through us. Whether he gives us a gold medal or a golden trial, a golden faith-producing trial, First Peter, right? Whatever he gives us, the medal or the gold-producing trial in our life, it's all for his glory. Whether it's on the sports field or in the classroom or at our job or anywhere, who is God calling us to live out Jesus Christ before what has defined us? What's defined you? Think about what's defined you. Are you ready to be defined? Redefined, I mean? Are we ready to be redefined? It doesn't mean we have to quit our job. It doesn't mean we have to quit our sport. It doesn't mean we have to quit our college or our goals. But just we have to take each of them before Jesus Christ. Take them before God and surrender them. And if, and if he asks us to give them up and redirect us, we're at peace with it. Why? Because we know he has a higher purpose. And if he says, keep them, keep going, we do it for God's glory. Not to try to earn our self-worth or, or, or find fulfillment through those things. No, no. We find that through Jesus Christ. But we do these things for God's glory. And it's so freeing. Because we don't, no longer do we have to meet everybody's expectations. Right? We're not trying to meet expectations anymore. We aren't running like that hamster on the wheel or the gerbil on the wheel anymore. We aren't doing that anymore. Our identity is in Jesus Christ. We are God's child, and he loves us no matter what. 
Whether we get the gold medal or last place, whether we don't even make the Olympics, he loves us no matter what. All we have to do is hold his hand, live in his love, share that love, and let him fulfill his purpose through us. That's all we have to do. Let's pray. How is God speaking to us today? Maybe you've been that hamster on the wheel. Maybe you've been Michael Phelps trying to find worth or, or purpose, meeting the expectations your own way, for our own glory, finding false self-worth. But today, you'll be willing to say, God, I want to take up the cross of Jesus. I want to die to self. I want to bring my life before you and surrender it to you. And see where you take me. For your glory. I just want to hold your hand and live in your love and find my purpose in you, my identity in your son, Jesus Christ. Him living through me. While we're all praying about these things, maybe you're here today and you don't have that identity yet because you still need to come to the cross and put your faith in Jesus Christ. Giving your life to him. You can do that right now. It doesn't take a religious ritual or a religious person. It just takes a prayer from your heart right to God. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. To say, God, please forgive me for my sin, for my self, selfishness, for my flesh. I repent of that old life that I lived up to just seconds ago. I repent and ask you to forgive me. Because I'm coming to the cross of Jesus. I'm putting my faith in Jesus. My trust in him to take my place on that cross. I give my life to you, God.
if you've prayed that prayer of faith and given your life to Jesus, putting your faith in him, you have now just become a new creation. Something amazing, radical has happened in your life and you will never be the same. Christ now lives in you. You can't describe it. You can only experience it. And you're going to. I want to encourage you to let somebody know. Maybe you came with a friend or family member. Maybe just fill out the card in the bulletin, stick it in the box. Tell me on the way out. Shoot me an email, text. Let somebody know. So that we can be excited for you and help you in your new faith, your new life in Christ. Father, we thank you for what Jesus did for us. We thank you for setting us free. Giving us a purpose in our life that the world has no concept of. Allowing us not to live the empty lives for for 70 or 80 years and and then dying for nothing. Lord, you've given us a purpose. You've given us your son, Jesus Christ. And I pray that you would empower us to share the power of your son wherever you've called us to go, whether it's across the world or across the street. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.